Bismillah walhamdulillah wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala amma ba'd Sister Yasmina, respected listeners of the Voice of the Cape I greet you all with universal greetings of love, mercy and peace Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Today inshallah ta'ala is Wednesday uh, It's the middle of the week And in light of the words of our beloved Prophet Muhammad He said That the best of conditions are those that are in the middle And since these are the Mubarak words of our beloved Prophet Muhammad I've chosen Wednesday for us to speak exactly about that About the ahadith of our beloved Prophet Muhammad So inshallah ta'ala in light of the sunnah That will be our topic for Wednesdays and we're going to initially divide it up into two portions, inshallah. The first portion will be speaking about the history of the compilation of ahadith, not in too much detail. And then we will go on to the science of mustalah al-hadith, which is basically learning the different terminologies that we use for the different types of authenticity of a hadith and in the second portion inshallah ta'ala we are going to do selected readings from the compilation of a hadith of al-imam al-nawawi rahimahullah ta'ala otherwise known as al-arba'un al-nawawi al-arba'un al-nawawi in other words imam al-nawawi he compiled uh, 40 authentic hadith um, of the most important hadith around which the deen of islam Revolves. So, inshallah, we'll leave that for our for our second section. Be idnillahi taala. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. And of course, you are most welcome to comment on what it is that we are going to be speaking about this afternoon through our WhatsApp as well as our SMS being four seven nine one three and the WhatsApp you already know by now the number and so forth. And you know, it's with regards to having this topic that we are going to be speaking about. Like she has mentioned, it is midweek and it is a hadith that we are going to be talking about. So, Sheikh, I can't wait. I'm excited. Tafadol. Well, we start again. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa anwala amma ba'd. I know that wasn't a break, but these are the three keys of barakah, of seeking the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we mentioned the hadith yesterday afternoon where our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that kullu amrin dhibalin la yubda'u bi bismillahi rahmani rahim fa huwa aqta'u. And there's another riwayah that says, "Kullu amrin zibalin la yubda'u bilhamdala or bihamd alhamdulillah fahu akta." That 
any matter of consciousness that is not begun with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, another riwayat of the hadith, any a matter of consciousness that is not begun with Alhamdulillah, all praise and thanks to you solely to Allah SWT, then it is void of the blessings of Allah SWT. So, and then of course, uh, we want Allah SWT to shower us with salutations. We put the uh, salah and salam upon our beloved Prophet Muhammad SAW. So always we've, you know, always hear the um, dua, the imma, the scholars. Whenever they give a talk, whenever they give a lesson, you're always hearing them reading the basmala, reading the hamdala. Uh, basmala is nik- the, the acronym, if you like, in Arabic for Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah for Alhamdulillah. Um, the um, Hawqala is the uh, acronym for La Hawla wa La Quwata Illa Billah. Just like uh, Takbir is the acronym for Allahu Akbar. Tasbih for Subhanallah. Tahmeed for Alhamdulillah. Um, also for for uh, 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 alhamd, alhamdulillah and uh, but alhamdulillah in, in total would be alhamdulillah rabbil alamin basmala bismillahir rahmanir rahim hawqala la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah al aliyyil azim tasbih subhanallah tahmid alhamdulillah tahlil la ilaha illa allah takbir allahu akbar so inshallah ta'ala we begin this lesson as we begin uh, all our lessons uh, with the basmala in the name of Allah the most gracious the most merciful with the hamdala that all praise and thanks is due solely to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and with as-salatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala and of course our beloved prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says man salla alayya wahida sallallahu alayhi biha Ashara, that whoever puts one salutation on me, Allah SWT puts ten salutations on that person. And that's why I'm really looking forward to this uh, particular lesson because every time, and we're going to be speaking about the words of our beloved Prophet Muhammad wasallam. not just the words, but his deeds, his allowances, his uh, characteristics, his life. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And every time we put those salawat, as Allah SWT has commanded us in the Holy Quran, Inna Allaha wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, Sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima. Indeed Allah and His angels put salutations on the Prophet. Or those of you who believe, send salutations and peace upon him. And when the Mufassirun, when they make tafsir of this ayah, they say that salah from Allah, As-salam in Allahi rahmah is mercy. Wa min al-malaikati istighfar. And from the angels, the seeking of forgiveness. Even though the Prophet ﷺ doesn't need it, but out of yani, tashrifan, out of honor for the Prophet ﷺ, that even the malaika, they seek forgiveness for the Prophet ﷺ. That's their uh, salawat on the Prophet ﷺ. And our salawat, the ulama, they say, at-tadarru dua It is a dua that we make for the Prophet ﷺ. A dua that he benefits from, but if we didn't do it, we'd only be harming ourselves. We wouldn't be diminishing his uh, high status that Allah SWT has granted him as khairu khalqillah, as the best of all creation. وَرَفَعْنَا لَكَ ذِكْرَكَ As Allah SWT says in the Holy Quran, and we have elevated your remembrance. In the tafsir of this ayah, a لَا تُذْكَرْ إِلَّا وَذِكْرُكَ مَقْرُونٌ مَعَ ذِكْرِي That you are not mentioned, O Muhammad Wasallam, except that you are mentioned 
لا تذكر إلا وذكرك مقرون مع ذكري except that your mention is connected with my mention I mean just think of the kalima shahada think of uh, how many Muslims are there in the world you know people have been saying 1.6 billion for the last 10 years and I would say easy over 2 billion Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best but can you imagine sister Yasmin and respected listeners that every time somebody makes salah uh, every time the adhan is made, every time the iqama is made, every time somebody makes their salah in their tahya, we are saying how many times, by how many people, every second of the day, people are saying, La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So there is no human being in history whose remembrance has been elevated to the degree of the remembrance of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and it's about him and his words and his actions and his allowances and his attributes and his characteristics that we're going to be speaking about inshallah ta'ala today beautiful like uh, the voice there of Sheikh Riyad Wool said we are going to be speaking about the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasalam if you want to say in the comment through then you can most welcome to do that on our whatsapp as well as our SMS but for now we break for ads and when we come back we'll continue with the show Madrasa on A developing Islam in me stay tuned Madrasa on A Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome back to your program Madrasa on A Developing Islam in Me. I'm your host Yasmina Peterson along with Sheikh Riyad Wools in studio and we are speaking about hadith upon our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. If you want to send through your comments you can do so via SMS as well as WhatsApp inshallah. But for now I'm going to be handing over to Sheikh to continue as to where we stopped just before the ad break and also to give a brief recap in terms of for those who have just tuned in Sheikh Tafatul. Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala amma ba'd Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh So just that nobody gets confused, we're not going to be doing seerah in this particular slot We're not going to be doing the history and the life of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa But we're going to be looking at that instrument with which we learn about his life and we learn about his actions, and we learn about his words, and we learn about those things that he allowed the Sahaba to do, and we learn about his beautiful characteristics, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And that is the instrument of the science of hadith, ilmul hadith, riwayatan wa dirayatan. And inshallah ta'ala, I will explain uh, shortly uh, what is the difference between riwayatan and dirayatan that is uh, two ways of looking at the science of hadith the riwayatan is i will explain very quickly riwayatan is looking at the actual hadith itself whereas dirayatan is looking at the authenticity of the hadith looking at the chain of narrators uh, looking at the the conditions uh, of authenticity, and we'll go into that, inshallah ta'ala, uh, a little bit later. Uh, for now, I would just like to uh, speak about the initial uh, period of compilation of, of a hadith. And as many of us know, not much was written down in the lifetime of our beloved Prophet Muhammad, uh, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. In actual fact, there was a prohibition in the early stages where our beloved Prophet Muhammad says, and this is recorded in the compilation of a hadith of Alima Muslim, 
rahimahullah ta'ala, where our beloved Prophet sallallahu said, do not write anything from me and let him who has written anything from me besides the Qur'an erase it. And the reason for that is self-explanatory. Why? Because the Qur'an was being revealed and there was a fear that as the Qur'an was being written, that the words of Muhammad would have been mixed up with the words of, of the Qur'an. But there are some instances where our beloved Prophet Muhammad did allow uh, some of the Sahaba uh, to, to write a hadith down. And we have the riwayah of Abu Hurairah and this is recorded in Bukhari, uh, the most authentic uh, book uh, compilation of a hadith where Abu Huraira said there is no companion who has narrated more a hadith than I have except Abdullah ibn Amr for indeed he used to write and I could not write so he is testifying to the fact that Abdullah ibn Amr he used to write down a hadith and uh, in uh, the Musnad of Imam Ahmad and the Sunan of Abu Dawood, it is narrated by Abdullah ibn Amr when he said, I used to write everything that I heard from the Prophet in order to memorize it. And some companions from Quraysh instructed me to stop, saying, Will you write down everything that you hear from the Messenger of Allah, even though he is a man, not an angel, who speaks sometimes in anger and sometimes in pleasure? So I stopped writing, and I mentioned this to the Prophet ﷺ, who pointed to his mouth and said, Write, for by him in whose hand is my soul, nothing comes out from this, in other words, his mouth, except truth. And so, reconciling between these uh, two ahadith, which at first seem uh, contradictory, um, we have to look at some things. Um, that at first the Prophet he forbade the writing down of the Sunnah for fear that it would be mixed up with the Quran. When that fear was removed, he permitted the writing of the Sunnah. And so at the end, writing of the Sunnah was made permissible before he died. However, after his death, the companions of the Prophet continued to discourage the writing of the Sunnah for reasons which I will make mention of, inshaAllah. So, the writing of the Sunnah was delayed for two reasons. Firstly, the standardization of the Qur'an had to, had to take place. And we know that as a mushaf, as a book, the Qur'an as a book was only compiled, put together in the, in the time of, of Sayyidina Uthman. In fact, after the battle of Yamama, when many Sahaba who were Hufad, who had memorized the Qur'an, when they died, then it was uh, feared that um, by losing the Hufad, there is a fear that they're going to, they're going to lose uh, the Qur'an. So Sayyidina Abu Bakr, he started having the, uh, the parchments put together, but only in the time of Sayyidina Uthman was it compiled as a, as a mushaf, as a book. And uh, so the delay of the writing of the Sunnah was so that first the Qur'an in its entirety could be completed in terms of its compilation 
um, so that none of the sunnah could be mixed up in the words of the Qur'an. Secondly, there was no real need to have the sunnah in written form in the years immediately after the death of the Prophet And this is because of the, the fact that at the time when the Qur'an was being revealed, you must remember the Qur'an was revealed to a society that were largely ummiyud, meaning they were unlettered. They couldn't read or write. And by default, they had very uh, strong memories. And this is something that we're going to look a little bit later when we speak about uh, the science of, of the hadith when looking at the, uh, at the strength of the, of the, of the, <coughs> excuse me, of the narrators. So, I want us to just look for a moment, inshallah, at the necessity that the standardization of the Qur'an should precede the writing down of the sunnah. Uh, a, to keep a clear and distinct line of demarcation between what was Qur'an and what was sunnah. So while the Prophet ﷺ was alive, the Qur'an was not yet complete in its full and final form. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Almighty, Jalla fi ula, was adding to it and subtracting from it. Meaning that verses that were Qur'an for a time were no longer Qur'an. In other words, things were being abrogated. And, of course, the Qur'an was revealed in its entirety over a period of, of 23 years. Beginning with, Iqara bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq. And then the last verse, uh, according to the majority of scholars, is verse 281 uh, in Surah Al-Baqarah. And fear the day when all of you will be returned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then everybody will get what they have earned and nobody will be wronged on that day. So in terms of revelation, the Qur'an was completely revealed in the lifetime of our beloved Prophet Muhammad via Jibreel to our beloved Prophet over those 23 years. And then we find that gathering and standardization of the Qur'an could not begin until the Prophet ﷺ, after the Prophet's death, when it needed to be gathered and standardized first to prevent hadith from being mixed with Quran. So the Quran is the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that should be given first priority. Quran and hadith um, both are noble and both require meticulousness in recording. Yet the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is nobler and it was given attention first and hadith given second priority. Also the Quran required a higher standard of verification than the sunnah, so the need to standardize it was more urgent. And it was, a, it was practical to standardize the Quran first before an official te- attempt to record the sunnah because the sunnah was going to require a greater amount of work on behalf of the ummah since it was a largely and more complicated body of literature. Whereas the compilation of the Quran required only a few years, the compilation of the sunnah required about 250 years. But you must remember also that during Ramadan, Jibreel used to lead our beloved Prophet Muhammad in the recitation of, of the Quran. He used to recite the Quran to Jibreel. And so the, the, the Quran in terms of its recitation was perfected in terms of its order, in terms of the way that it was recited from Surah Al-Fatiha 
in terms of the way that it was arranged from Surah Al-Fatiha to Surah Al-Nas that was completed in the time of beloved Prophet Muhammad and of course there were many Huffa that had memorized the Quran as such but the compilation and I'm repeating myself here the compilation of the Quran as a Mus'haf into a book had not yet uh, taken place in the life of beloved Prophet Muhammad but it took priority over the compiling of the words of a hadith of the words of our beloved Prophet Muhammad so there was no need for writing of the Sunnah in the first century Hijri in fact there would have been according to some scholars there would have been some harm the Arabs of the time had very strong memories because books were unavailable and writing uncommon and also due to the, their lifestyle and eating habits that is the harshness of the climate prevented them from having abundance of food which led to more alert and keen minds this is the opinion of some scholars the Arabs in general were weak in writing so if there had been a major attempt to write the Sunnah there might have been many mistakes in that compilation so it needed to wait until the Muslims whether Arabs or non-Arabs and you actually see in the six most authentic books of a hadith, in fact, all of them are, are actually non-Arabs. Until they had become proficient in writing Arabic. In regards to the Qur'an, there was a small number of skilled writers who were sufficient for the recording of the Qur'an. But as mentioned above, the area of hadith required exponentially more writing. The Qur'an needed time to settle in the minds of the people before the work on hadith was begun so that it would not mix with the Qur'an in their minds. During that period of time, the Arabs needed to retain their strength of memory so that they could preserve the sunnah in the form of oral traditions until the proper time for compilation commenced. Had they been pushed to write the hadith too soon, they could have lost their power of memory and retention. At the end of the first century Hijri, there was still a short gap in time between the narrators and the Prophet ﷺ, so the fear of possibly losing the Sunnah had not become plausible. In other words, the chain of narration was very short between in, in that uh, first uh, century Hijri, between the Sahaba, of course, and the Prophet ﷺ. The dialect of the Arabs of the first century still had not changed from the time of the Prophet ﷺ, so there was no fear of misunderstanding or linguistic errors. And the nature of the way a hadith were preserved made it easy to transmit them as oral tradition for the first few centuries. That is, only one person was required to transmit a hadith. So between the thousands of companions and hundreds of thousands of tabi'een and the millions of narrators who came after that, the 50,000 or so hadith that make up the body of hadith literature could easily be preserved for a few generations. A hadith did not need to be transmitted with the same level of adherence to the verbatim text because its text was not an inimitable miracle and the verbatim word of Allah. So there was no harm in keeping hadith orally transmitted for a couple of generations. And that's exactly what happened to the bulk of hadith. They were orally transmitted whereas the Quran was written down in the lifetime of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. On part, in the part of the Sahaba, if we look at uh, those who did compile a hadith, then we look at Samra ibn Jundub, Anas ibn Malik. Um, Abu Bakr had a sahifa in which was written, uh, This is the zakah of the Messenger of Allah obligated upon the Muslims. The Tabi'i Mujahid ibn Jabr, 
He said, I went to see Abdullah ibn Amr and tried to pull out a scroll that I noticed from under his mattress and he stopped me. I said to him, you have never stopped me from anything of yours before. He replied, this scroll I have named the truth teller. It contains everything I heard from the messenger of Allah directly with no one in between us. Others well-known earlier scrolls were those of Abu Musa al-Ash'ari, Jabir ibn Abdullah, and Hammam ibn Munabbi. And inshallah ta'ala we will continue after the break. Madrasa on A. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome back to your program Madrasa on A. Developing Islam in me. I'm your host Yasmina Peterson along with Sheikh Riyal Rules this afternoon and we are speaking about a hadith as well as we're going to be looking a bit deeper into the characteristics and what was been mentioned about our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And for now I hand back over to Sheikh to continue where he stopped just before the ad break. Sheikh Tafatul. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah. وَعَلَىٰ آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ وَمَنْ وَلَىٰ أَمَّا بَعْدُ Sister Yasmin, respected listeners of The Voice of the Cape, once again, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So, inshallah ta'ala, we are speaking about علم الحديث. And uh, before the break, we were just looking at a little bit of the initial history of the compilation of a hadith. Uh, in the time of the beloved Prophet Muhammad where it was uh, raj- largely in the initial stage, it was forbidden by the Prophet um, and then it was continuously discouraged, although the Prophet before his death, he allowed some of the Sahaba to write down some of the of the ahadith. And I've mentioned some of the names of, of Sahaba who wrote down ahadith in the lifetime of our beloved Prophet Muhammad uh, then of course, uh, after the demise of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu uh, still was the time of the compilation, compilation of the Quran. So much, not much was was written, until basically in the time of the Tabi'een, and we have one uh, particular scholar who is uh, famously known as the first one to compile a book. Uh, gathering all the um, of what he had of the ahadith uh, of our beloved Prophet Muhammad uh, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and that uh, particular scholar is um, Muhammad ibn Muslim ibn Ubaidillah ibn Abdillah ibn Shihab al-Zuhri al-Madani famously known as ibn Shihab or famously known as Al-Zuhri. And uh, he was known as Alimul Hijazi was Sham. Hijaz is the area between basically from uh, between Makkah and Medina, that is the area of Hijaz. And Sham, which includes basically the greater Sham would include uh, Palestine, Jordan, um, uh, Syria and Lebanon. And um, he was one of the greatest scholars of his day. In fact, he is the teacher of uh, both Al-Imam Abu Hanifa and Al-Imam Malik. They both narrate from Ibn Shahab al-Zuhri. And, uh, and he was the first one to basically um, compile a book of, of a hadith. 
and riwayatan. When we're speaking about uh, riwayah, I've already said that he's speaking about the actual hadith itself. Dirayatan, the science of hadith dirayatan, is speaking about the classification of those hadith in terms of their of the authenticity based on the on, on looking at the text as well as those who are narrating and uh, narrating that text. And the uh, person who commanded him or basically requested um, the writing down of uh, um, making a compilation of the words of our beloved Prophet Muhammad was none other than the Khalifa uh, uh, of the uh, during the time of the uh, Bani Umayyah um, the um, Umayyad dynasty um, uh, Sayyidina Umar ibn Abdul Aziz Sayyidina Umar ibn Abdul Aziz is also considered to be not chronologically speaking because between Sayyidina Ali and, and uh, Sayyidina Umar ibn Abdul Aziz there are a, a number of people in terms of who became uh, Khalifa um, but in terms of his piety in terms of his righteousness in terms of his uprightness uh, Sayyidina Umar ibn Abdul Aziz is considered to be the fifth of the Khulafa Rashidin. So first he said Sayyidina Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him. Then Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab, may Allah be pleased with him. Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan, may Allah be pleased with him. Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with him. That is chronologically speaking. But, in, uh, and, uh, but after that, those first four Khulafa Rashidin, in terms of, in terms of piety, in terms of um, being a just ruler, being upright, um, the ulama of Ahl-Sunnah wa Jama'ah consider Sayyidina Umar ibn Abdul Aziz to be number five. And during his time, there were a lot, a lot of hadith, a lot of uh, the words of our beloved Prophet Muhammad being fabricated. And uh, this is a very great sin. Uh, our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says in the hadith man kathaba alayya muta'amidan falyatabawa'u maqadahu min al-nar whoever tells a lie in my name on purpose in other words quotes something knowing that I didn't say it then they've prepared for themselves a seat in the fire and unfortunately a lot of it was going on at the time and so uh, Sayyidina Umar ibn Abdul Aziz who was based in Damascus in Sham he sent out a letter to the Amsar, to the different regions, to the different provinces, basically commanding the governors to get ulama to now start compiling those ahadith uh, in books in order for the ummah to differentiate between that which is now authentic and that which has been fabricated. Madrasa on A. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome back to our program Madrasa on E Developing Islam with Me and that is of course uh, with myself Yasmina Peterson as well as uh, Sheikh Riyad Wals in studio and yeah I'm going to be handing over to Sheikh to continue where we stop just before the ad break Sheikh Tafadnul Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa min wala amma ba'd once again, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh before the break we were making mention of who was the first scholar that basically compiled a book of a hadith of our beloved Prophet Muhammad in order to differentiate between the books 
uh, or not it's not the books but the hadith that had been fabricated um, at that time um, lies being told in the name of beloved Prophet Muhammad وسلم, uh, we've indicated a great sin in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so beloved Prophet warned Man mutaammidan, whoever tells a lie in my name then they must prepare for themselves a seat in the fire so the Khalifa of the time uh, Umar ibn Abdul Aziz and uh, a very you know he had a, if I may just narrate the story he said Umar ibn Abdul Aziz he had a wazir he had a minister you know we're always hearing about uh, ministers in, in the parliament and cabinet reshuffles and the minister of this and the minister of that many different portfolios handed out to all sorts of different people um, in terms of their worthiness Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alam la na'lam Allah knows that which we do not know but Sayyidina Umar bin Abdul Aziz had a minister his name was Umar uh, Ibn al-Muhajir and this minister had a special portfolio you know what his portfolio was? He wasn't the Minister of Education, nor was he the Minister of Energy or the Minister of Finance, uh, nor was he the Minister of Justice. But he had one simple portfolio. Uh, Sayyidina Umar ibn Abdul Aziz said to Umar ibn al-Muhajir, he said to him, Ya Umar ibn al-Muhajir, إِذَا رَأَيْتَنِي ضَلَلْتُ عَنِ الطَّرِيقِ فَخُذْ بِمَجْمَعَ ثَوْبِ وَهُزَّنِي وَقُلْ لِي Ya Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, That was his portfolio. What was it? Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, the Khalifa, says to his minister, he's now, he's now appointing him as a minister and he's giving him his portfolio. He says to him, if you ever see me going astray, if you ever see me making a mistake, then grab me by the scruff of my thobe and shake me and say to me, O oh, Umar, son of Abdul Aziz, fear Allah because you are going to die. I ask you, Sister Yasmin, and respected listeners of the voice of the Cape, where are those leaders today? So it was this very pious and God fearing uh, leader of the Ummah of Muhammad, Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, who wrote a letter to Abu Bakr ibn Hazm, saying to him, and uh, we have the hadith. ذلك أن أمير المؤمنين عمر بن عبد العزيز رضي الله تبارك وتعالى عنه كتب and this is actually narrated in Bukhari in the most authentic compilation of a hadith um, in the chapter on كيف يقبض العلم how knowledge is 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 removed from this world and he narrates وكتب عمر بن عبد العزيز إلى أبي بكر بن حزم انظر ما كان من حديث رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فاكتبه فإني خفت دروس العلم وذهاب العلماء ولا تقبل إلا حديث النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وليفش العلم وليجلس حتى يعلم من لا يعلم فإن العلم لا يهلك حتى يكون سرا بيسكلي running out of time here but basically in this particular riwayah Al-Imam Bukhari narrates that Umar ibn Abdul Aziz that he wrote to Abi Bakr ibn Hazan who was a, was a contemporary of of Az-Zuhri that look at the hadith look at the sayings of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and write them down فَإِنِّي خِفْتُ دُرُوسِ الْعِلْمِ وَذَهَابَ الْعُلَمَاءِ 
Because, he says, I fear the gatherings of knowledge and the dhahab al-ulama, in other words, the demise of the, of the scholars. وَلَا تَقْبَلْ إِلَّا حَدِيثَ النَّبِيِّ صلى الله عليه وسلم. In other words, only accept that hadith which is authentic. So they had to now look at the hadith that were around and now take only those that they could establish as being truly words of our beloved Prophet Muhammad And the first one, according to Imam Malik actually, Imam Malik ibn Anas, who was the Imam of Dar al-Hijrah and a student from Az-Zuhri, he says, أَوَّلُ مَنْ دَوَّنَ ibn Shihabin يَعْنِي Az-Zuhri. That the first one to compile a hadith was Ibn Shihab Al-Imam Az-Zuhri Rahimahullahu Ta'ala. So, he is the first one to have uh, uh, compiled a book of authentic ahadith. ثم جاء بعد ذلك طبقة من العلماء فصنف كل منهم كتابا. And then afterwards came a whole generation of ulama, and every one of them wrote a book in which they compiled as what they understood to be the authentic words. Of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. What they did was they compiled, and in their books they had the words of the Prophet and they had some words of the companions, and they had some legal rulings of the of the tabi'in also mixed up in that book with the words of our beloved Prophet sallallahu so of uh, examples of that we have Imam Malik in Medina he wrote the Muwatta uh, which was considered to be the strongest uh, most authentic compilation of ahadith in Hijaz in the area between Mecca and Medina um, and then we also have Ibn Juraj in Mecca who compiled a book uh, we also have uh, Al-Awza'i in Sham we have Sufyan Al-Thawri he was in Kufa and we also have Hamad, who was in Basra. These are the famous scholars that, that compiled uh, books uh, at that time. And uh, then basically, after that, uh, we have some of the other scholars that came and produced their um, Masanid, like... Uh, Ubaidullah ibn Musa al-Absi al-Kufi and we also have Ibn Musarhad al-Basri and after that we find uh, the ulama uh, following in that way uh, and it was seldom to find an imam that followed thereafter except that he also made his compilation of of a hadith in a musnad now musnad Initially what they did was they organized the ahadith based on uh, Sahaba. So they would have a Sahabi's name and all the ahadith that he narrated. That's initially how the, how the ahadith were, were arranged. And uh, examples of this of the imams that came afterwards was Al-Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal, uh, Ishaq ibn Rahawai, Uthman ibn Abi Shayba, etc. Uh, etc. Et they all came with their own Masanid, their own compilations of ahadith uh, organized on the names of 
of the companions that narrated those ahadith. And then afterwards we have Al-Imam Bukhari and Al-Imam Muslim and uh, um, uh, um, Al-Tirmidhi and Abu Dawood and Al-Nasai and Ibn Majah etc etc that came after them. But Al-Imam Bukhari he is the first one to make a jami'ah. Now a jami'ah is basically a, a compilation or collection of ahadith based on subject matter. Remember I said the Musnad, Siyasmin uh, and respected listeners, the Musnad were organized based on the name of the Sahabi, of the companion. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with all the illustrious companions of our beloved Prophet Muhammad Whereas the Jami' and uh, Imam Bukhari was the first one to compile a book only of authentic ahadith, sahih, meaning authentic ahadith. And inshallah we're going to go through the... Um, we're going to go through what are the conditions of an authentic hadith, inshallah, when we come back after the break. Madrasa on A. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome back to your program Madrasa on A. The Developing Islam in Me. I'm your host Yasmina Peterson along with Sheikh Riyad Walls in studio as well as on technical with Katantia Bira Dixon Muhammad. We are speaking about a hadith and Sheikh is doing an introduction in terms of hadith as well as the authenticity of it and also the various hadith of also our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that we will branch further into next week Wednesday inshallah. But for now I hand back over to Sheikh to continue where we start stopped just before the outbreak once again assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi before the break we were speaking about um, new a new development that took place after the initial compilation of a hadith in what were commonly known as the Masanid and Masanif um, of the Imams of the Tabi'een with Tabi Tabi'een. Uh, a Tabi'i, of course, is somebody who has um, met a Sahabi, believed in Islam, and died on that on that belief. A Tabi Tabi'i is somebody who has met a Tabi'i, believed in Islam, and died on uh, on 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 that belief, on the belief of Islam, of course. And uh, and a Sahabi is somebody who has met the Prophet um, and uh, has believed in Islam and died on on that belief. And a Mukhadram, a Mukhadram is somebody who has embraced Islam in the time of the Prophet but has not met him, like uh, like Najashi, the Negus. What do we call him? Mukhadram. That's a Mukhadram. Not a Sahabi because he didn't meet the Prophet uh, So Alhamdulillah we've gone through now uh, from the time of the Prophet um, initially writing down a hadith was forbidden. Uh, a much later stage, before the death of the Prophet some of the Sahaba were allowed to uh, to write down uh, some of the of the hadith. Uh, during the Khulafa Rashidin, it was still something that was uh, discouraged, out of fear that it might get mixed up with the with the Quran. Um, but during the reign of who we Consider in terms of his justice and his righteousness in the Khilafat of Sayyidina Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, who was a, a tabi'i basically, he was basically a uh, his mentor and teacher was none other than uh, he was brought up basically by uh, uh, Abdullah ibn Umar uh, uh, and learned greatly from him. 
and that uh, Sayyidina Umar al-Abdul Aziz, he was the one, was the first one to basically out of fear because of all the ahadith that had been fabricated in the name of our beloved Prophet that he wrote to Abu Bakr uh, ibn Hazm uh, that he must now start compiling the authentic hadith. And according to Imam Malik ibn Anas, the Imam of Dar al-Hijra, the Imam of Medina al-Munawra, it was none other than Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri. He was the first one to write uh, a book compiling the most authentic hadith of our beloved Prophet And I've mentioned the names of those that uh, then followed him uh, and those that followed them until there was basically not a, a, a great imam of a prominent imam of the era except that he also made a musnad uh, made a musannaf a compilation of the authentic hadith of our beloved prophet but then al-imam bukhari came along and al-imam bukhari noticed that in these compilations there were a hadith that were sahih authentic that were hasan which is basically fair it, it's a hadith that is uh, acceptable it is a fair hadith and uh, but he also noticed that there were many weak hadith that were mixed up with all of these hadith so he was the first one that decided to compile a book purely of authentic uh, hadith and if we take the um, the hadith that have been repeated I mean it's over 7,000 hadith in the uh, compilation of Imam Bukhari but if we take away all the repetitions then basically boils down about 2,300 odd um, authentic ahadith because many of the ahadith are repeated but they have slight variances uh, in them and, and he was the first one to do this Imam Bukhari uh, Allah SWT shower him uh, with his mercy and Imam Muslim then followed Imam Bukhari and it is considered by the ulama of Ahl-Sunnah wa Jama'ah that the two most authentic books after the Qur'an are the compilation of a hadith of Al-Imam Bukhari, his Sahih, his Jami'ah. And I mentioned before the break that a Musnad, the way in which the hadith were organized were based on the names of the companions, whereas a Jami'ah, like that of Al-Imam Bukhari and of Al-Imam Muslim, they were arranged per topic. And uh, time for another break. Time Very for inshallah. another break. <laughs> uh, if I can just round this off by saying that um, so Al-Imam Bukhari, he was the first one to uh, to compile an authentic uh, compilation of uh, of a hadith. Imam Muslim followed him in that. And uh, Al-Hafid Al-Suyuti, basically everything that I've just mentioned now from the time of Al-Zuhri until the time of Bukhari, he sums it all up. In five lines of poetry, Al-Imam Suyuti in his thousand line poetry on the science of hadith, he says, Awalu jami' al-hadithi wal-athar, ibn shihabin amirun lahu umar, wa awalu al-jami' ilil-abwabi, jama'atun fil-asri dhu-tirabi, kabni jurayjin wa hushaymin maliki, wa ma'marin wa waladi al-mubariki, wa awalu al-jami' bi-ikhtisari ala al-sahih, faqti al-bukhari, ومسلم من بعده والأول على الصواب في الصحيح أفضل مدرسة عن إيه 
Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome back to your program Madrasaan A Developing Islam in Me. I'm your host Yasmina Peterson along with Sheikh Riyad Wolves in studio and we are speaking about a hadith. That is what we are speaking about and you can also comment through on WhatsApp as well as SMS. But for now I'm going to be handing over to Sheikh to continue in terms of where we stop just before the ad break. Sheikh, tafadol. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam wa ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala ama ba'd. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yes, we were just going through the words of uh, Imam Suyuti, uh, rahimullah ta'ala, in his thousand line poem, uh, which we're not going to be doing, uh, inshallah ta'ala, in our uh, section on Mustalar Hadith. I have selected a poem, but it's only, alhamdulillah, it's only 34 lines long. It's only 34. Just like, inshallah, in Aqidah, we're going to be doing Aqidah al-Awam. Manzumatu Aqidah al-Awam. In Hadith, we're going to be doing Manzumatu Al-Bayquniyya al Inshallah when I w- I'll explain a little bit more when we get there But it's only 34 lines long Imam Suyuti wrote a thousand line poem wow. So did Al-Imam Al-Iraqi Also wrote a thousand line poem uh, Just on the science of Of Hadith Dirayatan In other words the classification of uh, Of a Hadith based on The narrators as well as the narration And uh, in these Five lines here basically sums up what I've been speaking about uh, uh, in terms of the history of uh, from the first book that was ever compiled of the authentic uh, hadith of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu with a few uh, weak hadith that were in between. He says, أَوَّلُ جَامِعِ الْحَدِيثِ وَالْأَثَرِ إِبْنُ شِهَابٍ آمِرٌ لَهُ عُمَرٌ That the first Compilation or gathering together of a hadith and athar, athar referring to the aqwal of the sahaba, the sayings of the companions, and the fatawa of the tabi'in, as well as legal rulings made by the by the tabi'in, was Ibn Shihab al Zuhri, Al Imam al Zuhri, the teacher of both Abu Hanifa and Imam Abu Hanifa and Al Imam Malik. Amirun lahu Umar Ibn Abdul Aziz, he is the one that Amarahu, he is the one that uh, enjoined upon the ulama to do such to compile these books because of the many hadith that had been fabricated at the time. Very soon thereafter, because I mentioned the first day with the Masanid, where basically the hadith were organized based on the names of the companions, then the first uh, basically compilation, what they call a jami' is when they were organized according to Abu'ab, according to different topics. Kabini Jurajin, wa Hushaymin Maliki, wa Ma'marin wa Waladil Mubaraki. Two very famous people in there is Imam Malik with his Muwatta. It's basically the, the Muwatta you can, if you go to the Muwatta then you will see for example, there is Kitab Wuqut Salah. Which is basically the book on the times of the Salah. Then Kitab al-Tahara. Then the book of purification. Then Kitab al-Salah. Then the book of Salah itself. Then Kitab al-Sahwi. Then Kitab al-Jum'ah. Then Kitab al-Salah fi Ramadan. So basically organized according to according to topics. And Ibn al-Mubarak. Another very famous uh, scholar. Uh, he was also uh, basically put together a jami' with uh, the categories uh, arranged according to uh, topics. Uh, in other words, the first 
compilation of authentic hadith was done by none other than Alimam Bukhari. And then after him, uh, Imam Muslim, after him, and the first meaning Imam Bukhari, the correct opinion is that Imam Bukhari is more authentic and considered to be above the compilation of a hadith of, of Imam uh, Muslim. Rahimahumullah ta'ala rahmatan wasi'a. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shower his mercy and blessings upon, uh, upon all the scholars of Islam. Now, I would like us now to go back to the differentiating between Inmul Hadith Riwayatan and Dirayatan. So, just like we did with Aqeedah, remember we had that. Uh, that poem inna mabadiya kulli fannin ashara alhaddu wal mawdu'u thumma thamara wa fadluhu wa nisbatun wal wadi wal ismu al istimdad hukmu shari' masailu wal ba'du bil ba'di iktafa wa man dara al jami'a haza sharafa the 10 foundational principles of of every science and the first foundational principle of of any science is to define it how do we define um ilm al hadith what is the definition of of Ilm al Hadith. And uh, the first uh, answer to that question uh, can be answered as follows that it is, first of all, we break it up into, into two types. We have Ilm al Hadith, Riwayatan, and Ilm al Hadith, Dirayatan. Ilm al Hadith, Riwayatan, is basically the transmission of the sayings. And the doings, the allowances, as well as the attributes of our beloved Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Whether they would be, in terms of the attributes, whether they would be his characteristics, his character, or even his physical features. So all of this can be found in the, in the actual uh, hadith themselves. And this, this study of hadith is what we call Ilmur Riwayah. The science of, uh, of the transmission of the actual words of our beloved Prophet Muhammad uh, breaking up into those, or covering those various aspects uh, of his life. And then we have Ilmul Hadith Dirayatan. Now Diraya, another word or synonym for Diraya is basically Ma'rifa uh, uh, or Fahm, Idraq, understanding. And so diraya refers more to understanding the classification of a hadith. The dividing and the separating of a hadith into sahih, hasan, da'if, authentic, fair, and weak. Based on um, the narrators themselves and also based on looking at the narration, looking at the matan, looking at the text. You know, whether there is something in it that contradicts uh, something else which has already been authenticated and various other things which is inshallah ta'ala in uh, the first few lines of our uh, little poem inshallah that we're going to be be doing um, inshallah over the course of uh, the next few weeks ta'ala. so that is the the definition of these of these two we are going to be in terms of uh, the science of hadith what we call mustalah hadith that deals with ilm al-hadith dirayatan as far as the riwayah is concerned, we have chosen to 
to use the hadith compilation of Al-Imam Al-Nawi, the 40 hadith of Al-Imam Al-Nawi, that would be studying hadith riwayatan. Basically studying the words and extracting the, uh, the benefits from, uh, from the hadith of our beloved Prophet So the first part of our uh, lesson on a Wednesday would normally, today we just inshallah going to uh, complete the introduction, uh, would be basically looking at the science of hadith, al hadith dirayatan, looking at mustal al-hadith, looking at the classification of a hadith. Whereas the second part inshallah, we're going to look at the riwayatan, we're going to look at the hadith themselves, the beautiful words of our beloved Prophet So, Al-Had, that is the definition. Al-Mudu is basically um, when it comes to Mustalah, uh, when it comes to Dirayatan, uh, is we are going to be looking at the Al-Bahth fi sanad min haythu al-Qubul wal-Rad. We're going to be looking at the narrators and the narration in terms of acceptance and in terms of rejection. That is the, the subject matter that we're going to be to be dealing with. Uh, then the fa'idah, the thamara, al-haddu wal thamma thamara. What is the thamara? The fa'idah, the benefit is tasfiyatu sunnah al-mutahara. Is basically the the if you like tasfiya meanings means to basically sieve and if you take a sieve to sieve the uh, the flour uh, basically you see um, even on the uh, the construction sites they use that chicken mesh wire you know to separate yeah. the sand from the stones mm-hmm. you know so basically the science of mustal al-hadith is basically acts like a sieve to separate um, the authentic from the from the weak and the fabricated mm. to separate the authentic from that which is weak that which is very weak and that which is even worse than that that which is uh, is fabricated and inshallah later on when we when we go through the uh, through the text inshallah we will look at uh, you know the difference between uh, that which is weak and that which is very weak very weak you cannot use it at all that which is da'if that which is weak uh, Imam Ahmad is a very famous saying he says al-hadith al-da'if ahabba ilayya min kalam al-rijal says that a weak hadith is more beloved to me than the words of ordinary men because he still considers it even though it has a, a certain defect in it that has made it weak but he still considers it to be the words of our beloved Prophet Muhammad and according to the ulama of sunnah wal-jama'ah that weak a hadith, not very weak but weak a hadith can be used not in legal rulings, not in fiqh, but can be used in the what we call fada'il al-a'mal, in the encouraging of the doing of good deeds. In other words, the virtues of good deeds, if there is a hadith that speaks about the virtue of doing something good, even though it is weak, it may, may be narrated for the encouragement of the doing of that good deed. If it's very weak, no, it cannot be used. And weak hadith cannot be used for the extrapolation of legal rulings uh, in the Sharia. But uh, these are all things, inshallah, that we look at uh, in more detail uh, as we go on. But that's the main fa'idah. The main fa'idah, what's the main thamara? The main fruit or benefit of studying the science is that we will be able to sieve out the, um, 
that which is authentic, from that which is uh, a fair, from that which is weak, from that which is very weak, from that which is fabricated. And in terms of its uh, its fadl, in terms of its virtue, it is considered to be one of the most noblest of sciences. We looked at aqidah and we said it is the most, it is the noblest of sciences. Why? Because it is getting to know your, what's the name of the program, Sister Yasmina? Knowing my Lord. Knowing my Lord. And that's why it is the, aqidah is the ashraf al-uloom. It's the most noble of all sciences. Whereas the science of, of, uh, of hadith, uh, this is considered to be one of the most noblest. Why? Because it is teaching us about the, the correct understanding of how to follow Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And if we claim to love Allah, then what must we do? We have to follow Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah says in the Holy Quran, قُلْ, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهَ فَاتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبُكُمُ اللَّهِ وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ وَاللَّهُ غَفُورٌ رَحِيمٌ Say, O Muhammad وسلم, that if you claim to love Allah, then follow me. Allah will love you and He will forgive your sins. What else does Allah SWT say? لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا In the Messenger of Allah is an excellent example. For who? لِمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُ اللَّهَ وَالْيَوْمَ الْآخِرِ وَذَكَرَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا For the one that has hope in Allah, in other words, a hope in a forgiveness from Allah, وَالْيَوْمَ الْآخِرِ And has hope in the last day that will be entered into Jannah, and they remember Allah much. So, if Muhammad sallallahu the last and final messenger of Allah, is the best example for us to follow, and if we claim to love Allah, then we must follow him. In actual fact, it will also be an expression of our love for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi to follow him. As the, in the hadith in uh, the sunan of uh, Imam al-Tirmidhi, مَنْ أَحَبَّ سُنَّتِي أَحَبَّنِي وَمَنْ أَحَبَّنِي كَانَ مَعْيَا فِي الْجَنَّةِ Whoever loves my sunnah, loves me. How do we know? How do we know what is the correct sunnah? Only via the science of, of hadith, the authentic sunnah. So whoever loves my sunnah, loves me, says the Prophet And this religion is not just about lip service. We can claim to love Allah, we can claim to love the Prophet But sometimes, you know, our actions contradict that, that claim. Like the poet says, The poet says, Do you disobey Allah whilst you are openly claiming love for Him? Indeed, in analogy, this is a matter most despicable. If your love had been true, you would have obeyed him. Indeed, the one who loves is, a, is most obedient to the one whom they love. We can apply that you know, to, to Allah SWT. We can apply that to the Prophet We can apply that to our parents. We claim to love our parents, but we, you know, we want to do everything uh, that they tell us not to do. You know, true love is for us to, if we truly love Allah, we will obey Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. If we truly love the Messenger, we will uh, obey him and follow his Follow his way of life, bi'idni lai ta'ala. Madrasa on A.
Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome back to the last few minutes of our program. This is of course Madrasa on a developing Islam in me. I'm your host Yasmina Peterson along with Sheikh Riyad Rules in studio. And just before this we have been speaking about a hadith as well as the authenticity of it and also the weak ones as well as the fabricated ones. However, I'm now going to be handing over back to Sheikh to continue. We will stop just before the break. Sheikh Tafadol. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala amma ba'd Once again, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Yes, we've been speaking about the uh, the fa'ida, the the thamara, the benefit of uh, of studying the science of hadith and in particular dirayatan, meaning mustalah hadith where we differentiate between those ahadith that are acceptable and those ahadith that are not in terms of the authenticity being able to differentiate between that which is authentic sahih, fair, hasan, daif, a weak that which is very weak and that which is fabricated and we've also looked at its virtue that it's one of the noblest um, sciences that a Muslim can study and Ilm uh, al-Mustalah in particular is considered to be Fard Kifaya in other words uh, something which is Fard Kifaya إِذَا أَقَامَ بِهِ الْبَعَضِ سَقَتِ الْإِثْمَ عَنِ الْبَاقِي that if some um, perform this action of studying the signs then the sin falls away on on the rest but if nobody studies it then the sin falls on on everybody some scholars have said it's, it's Fard Ain on those who are able to study it it's Fard Ain it's an individual obligation uh, on those that are able to do it. But in general, it is a collective uh, obligation. I mean, if some study the science, then the sin falls away uh, on the rest. And alhamdulillah, so much work has been done, alhamdulillah, with technology now. Uh, basically, all the books of ahadith, um, you know, with all the authentications, have been put on the... Uh, on the internet, but even if you are somebody that a lay person that doesn't know and cannot distinguish, you must, uh, you know, um, for the lack of a better term, you must surf very carefully, uh, and and rather um, check with your local uh, scholar, your local imam, uh, in terms of uh, what sites you are looking at um, and what a hadith you are taking, and in terms of the what they call the tahrij, from where that uh, hadith has been taken, from which compilation. Uh, it's very important to uh, to look at uh, at things like that, and uh, of course uh, it is such an honourable science because with it we are able to understand the correct Sunnah of our beloved Prophet Muhammad which Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has and follow him. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says in the Holy Quran, in order that you might be guided. So if we want guidance, we want to follow the correct Sunnah, the authentic Sunnah of our beloved Prophet Muhammad and especially in this time that we are living in we need to revive the Sunnah uh, the one who revives my Sunnah my way of life at the time of the corruption of my Ummah then for that person will be the reward of a hundred martyrs so let us inshallah ta'ala let us study the, the hadith so we can know the correct and authentic Sunnah of our beloved Prophet Muhammad and that we might be of those تهتدون, we might be of those who are guided we might be of those that attain that great reward 
and be marked as those who truly love the Prophet ﷺ. And those who love the Prophet, what do you say in that hadith I mentioned before the break? Man ahabba sunnati ahabbani, wa man ahabbani kana ma'ya fil jannah. That whoever loves my sunnah, they are the ones that truly love me, and the ones who love me will be with me in jannah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of them. Ameen, ameen, ya rabbal alameen. And then of course, uh, the istimdad, uh, it is taken from, the science is taken from the, from the, from the Qur'an, proofs in the Qur'an, and of course the authentic sunnah of our beloved Prophet um, In terms of the first one to write about the science. Now we mentioned Ibn Shahab al-Zuhri is the first one to compile a hadith, but that's riwayatan. But in terms of the science, ilmul hadith dirayatan, otherwise known as mustalah al-hadith, or the terminology of hadith, which differentiate between the different authenticities and classifications of a hadith. The first person to have uh, written about the science is none other than Al-Qadi Abu Muhammad Ar-Ramahurmuzi. Ar-Ramahurmuzi. A mouthful. Mutawaffa Sanat 360 Al-Hijri. He died in the year 360. And his book uh, is called Al-Muhaddith Al-Fadilu Bain Ar-Rawi Wal-Wa'i Al-Muhaddith Al-Fasil Afwan Al-Muhaddith Al-Fasil Bain Ar-Rawi Bain Ar-Rawi Wal-Wa'i And um, But he, don't, he did not in that book Cover all the classifications As we have them today But he's the first one to write about Ilm Al-Mustalah About the science of the classification of a hadith. And, and that brings me to the poem that I have selected that we're going to be going through inshallah ta'ala. Uh, only 34 lines, uh, 34 lines long. And um, for those that weren't listening yesterday, I, I explained the, the whole system of uh, didactic poetry. Um, but basically the word in, in Arabic for a didactic poem is a manzuma. And the the Arabs uh, have used this basically um, to summarize all the sciences. In other words, in summarized texts. And the summarized text, what does it do? You remember the, the, the saying that we had we studied yesterday? Man hafid al mutun has al funun. Whoever memorizes the summarized text has gained the whole science. Hawashi Hawashi. And whoever just confines themselves to the reading of the detailed commentaries, gains no self-reliance. So, for those who are able to memorize, I encourage them, it's only 34 lines long. I think the Aqidah poem we said was 61 lines long. But inshallah, by memorizing this manzuma, by memorizing this poem, basically we are now getting the whole uh, framework of that particular science. And the words in the poem then help us uh, to trigger our retention, our memories, in order to access all those different um, sections of knowledge that we have learnt in that science. And inshallah, I'm just, I've just got basically two minutes left, so I'm going to read 
Inshallah ta'ala It's also uh, one of those poems uh, As a student That uh, I attempted uh, to commit to memory uh, And also inshallah ta'ala You know this, uh, we, we all need to uh, to revise and uh, uh, but I have encouraged and I uh, speak to myself first that if you want to memorize uh, then you have to observe two things um, writing down and repetition writing down and repetition uh, next time inshallah I'll bring a loh uh, I know this is uh, on radio so you can't see it but I'll explain to you what it is and how it works uh, basically it's a board uh, on which um, I've now modernized it. It's been used for centuries in the Muslim world, but it's a board that I've modernized with a with a whiteboard material on top mm. of it, so you can use a koki, mm. and then just wipe it off. Like in 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 North Africa and the Middle East, they use in Morocco they use shmak, which is basically made from goat's hair, and some places use uh, charcoal and battery mm. acid, um, and then they they throw sand onto the wooden board, and then they write. On the board, whatever they are memorizing, they commit it to memory. Then they turn it around and they have to read it from memory while the teacher is reading what they are repeating back, mm-hmm. what they have memorized. And if they make a mistake, they have to. In some places, they have to lick the ink off the off the wooden board. Uh, okay, inshallah, we won't be making anybody do that. <laughs> but alhamdulillah, with modern technology, we now have the whiteboard and we have the koki, and then you can just. Uh, uh, rub it off uh, afterwards. You don't need to walk around with a thick book with everything that you have written because now you've committed it. To memory, mm-hmm. alhamdulillah. So, uh, inshallah, I'm just going to uh, um, to repeat the uh, the first few lines um, of uh, uh, what we know as Manzumat al uh, You know, a beautiful uh, 34 line text on the science of the classification of of the hadith of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu أبدأ بالحمد مصليا على محمد وخير نبي أرسل ومن ذي أقسم الحديث عدة وكل واحد أتى وحد أولها الصحيح وهو ما اتصل إسناده ولم يشذ أو يعل يرويه عدل ضابط عن مثله معتمد في ضبطه ونقله والحسن المعروف ترقا وغدت رجاله لك الصحيح اشتهرت وكل ما عن رتبة الحسن قصر فهو الضعيف وهو أقسام كثر For those of you who are listening, maybe you picked up that uh, after the introduction with, the, with um, the, bis, the basmala and the hamdala saying bismillah rahman rahim and then alhamdulillah he says, Abda'u bilhamdi, I begin with all praise and thanks to you solely to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then you heard the first classification, he said, Awaluha sahihu. The first classification is sahih, authentic. Mm-hmm. And that is which is connected. Wattasal isnaduhu, its chain of narration, all the way to the Prophet. Walam yushadha aw yu'al. In other words, it is not shad, it doesn't contradict another hadith which is already authenticated, nor is there illatun qadiha, nor is there a defect uh, in the text of the, the matan, the text of the, of the hadith, the narration of the hadith itself. يَرْوِيهِ عَدْلٌ ضَابِتٌ عَنْ مِثْلِهِ مُعْتَمَدٌ فِي ضَبْتِهِ وَنَقْلِهِ and the, the person that narrates it, يَرْوِيهِ عَدْلٌ must be a adl, must be a righteous person. Must be known for for their great piety. Yarwi Adlun Dabitun, he must have dopped, he must have very good memory. And Mithli, 
must be mu'tamad in other words it must be agreed upon that it was a righteous person and that it was a person with a very great memory and then it goes on further to speak about the next classification which is Hassan and the next classification which is Da'if and then it gives all the different types of Da'if hadith or weak hadith thereafter 34 lines long you memorize it you literally have a framework on which to build all your knowledge on the science of the classification of the hadith of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu I look forward to doing uh, this poem with you inshallah and the poem of Aqidat al-Awam uh, until we meet again uh, inshallah tabarak wa ta'ala tomorrow for our uh, our next uh, subject that we will be doing wassalamu alaykum wa akhiru da'wana anil hamdulillah rabbil alamin wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh